Welcome to the Inside Southwest Florida Football Podcast. Presented by the News Press and Naples Daily News. One, two, three. Hello and welcome to the Inside Southwest Florida Football Podcast. I'm Dustin Levy. I'm here with Dan DeLuca and Alex Martin. And we're in the home stretch, the final two weeks of the regular season. It's kind of crept up on us. Alex, how are you feeling at this point in the season? Feeling good. Playoffs are almost here. I mean, you know, uh, as the year goes on, I mean, it gets darker uh, as we get into November. And I mean, it's the, those playoff nights are fun. And um, I can only imagine how many teams we're going to have here. I mean, every uh, class should have representation in some capacity. And it should be fun. I'm really looking forward to seeing who's in and who's out here in a couple weeks. Dan, I remember early in the season you were asking for some more competitive games to cover. Was that a be careful what you wish for kind of situation? I think so. I definitely saw a lot of competitive games last week. And, you know, later in the season means I get to wear a jacket on the sidelines at night instead of, you know, uh, try to avoid heat stroke like I was earlier in the season. So I'm all for that. And let's get into some of those games in week nine. Uh, First off, let's check in on the Bishop Verreau juggernaut. Alex, how do they look against Cardinal Mooney? Um, They looked like they could put up 60-something points. I mean, they had two touchdowns called back due to penalty. I mean, and they still hung 50 on Mooney. Um, Game wasn't particularly close. Vero came out of the gate humming. Um, Richie Road actually made a change um, and switched it up. Normally, they take the ball, and they want to set the tone, but he thought... Going to the defense and deferring was was the right choice here if they won the toss, and they did. And um, they forced a three and out, went down the field, marched four plays, 44 seconds, and, and you know, Vero led from that point on. You know, Mooney um, struggled despite having two D1 guys in Zamarian Lang and in Teddy Foster, who are both headed to the SEC in South Carolina and Florida. And Vero was just able to run the ball effectively. They were able to throw the ball effectively, and um, kind of posed problems for Mooney. I mean, Carter Smith had five total touchdowns in the game. Um, it was just a strong all-around performance from Vero, and um, that was really, I mean, their last huge, huge test of the year, and they they seemed to handle it quite easily. And the Vikings will face off against Astero for the district title this week. Dan Astero took down Mariner last week. Was this a signature win for the Wildcats? Oh, it was a really good win for them. And, you know, Estero's a team that, for whatever reason, tends to fly under the radar uh, a little bit. Talking with Coach Nelson after the game, um, they've won 22 of their last 27 games. Uh, That's a pretty good stretch. Uh, There's very few teams in our area that could match that kind of run, but we don't put Estero in the same conversations as those teams. They handed Mariner their first loss. Uh, I think this was a game that both teams were looking at as a little bit of a measuring stick. Uh, both of them had negative strength of schedules, uh, so there was you know some concerns about you know Acero six and one, Mariner seven and zero. But what's the caliber of competition that they beat? Um, it, it was a really hard-fought game. Mariner got hamstrung a little bit. They lost starting quarterback Noah Tolbert. 
uh, early in the second quarter. They lost starting wide receiver defensive back Kalen Davidson in the first quarter with knee injuries. They did not return. Uh, Mariner jumped out to a 14-0 lead. Stero scored the final 22 points. Uh, Stero really played well on special teams, uh, recovering two little kind of pooch kickoffs, uh, that one with which set up a touchdown, other of which allowed them to kind of run down the clock. So really good win for Estero and, and something that they're looking at as, you know, kind of a, a springboard uh, into the rest of the season. Yeah, I mean, Estero has really done everything right since that week one loss to First Baptist, uh, but it's going to take something really special uh, if they're going to take down Bishop Rowe next week. Dan, i got to ask you, you mentioned the injuries to Davidson and, and Tolbert. That affect the outcome of the game here? You think if they play a full four quarters that Mariner wins this one? I think they would have given Mariner a little bit of a better chance to overcome, you know, the Estero surge. Estero scored 14 points in the in the last minute yeah. of the first half, which really changed the, you know, the whole aspect of that game because it looked like Mariner had this one the momentum was all on their side. Marcus Kelly played really well for Mariner, intercepted two passes, second of which he brought back for a touchdown, uh, which made it 14 nothing. But Justin Lewis, very good athlete at quarterback, but not the same passer that Tolbert is. And Tolbert is one of Mariner's best defensive players as well. At the linebacker spot, uh, he had a key fourth down stop early in, in the first half, which uh, you know kind of negated a, an Estero drive. And Davidson is very good as at defensive back. So you lost those two players on both sides of the ball. And Estero was just, and they were the Malik Allen show. I mean, that kid's really impressive. Uh, for as slight as he is, you know, 185 pounds, let's say, carried the ball 41 times, took a beating against Estero, but continually was able to get them into manageable second and third downs, keep drives going. Uh, Estero just had a really good game plan, all facets of the ball, offense, defense, special teams, and they executed. It. But I, I will say that losing those two players hurt Mariner on both sides of the ball, but shouldn't really take away from what was a very good performance by Estero. Meanwhile, I got to check in on Dunbar. The Tigers got a 35-7 win over East Lee last week. With East Lee, we know that this team has improved on last year, uh, but they made some early mistakes in this one that you just can't make against Dunbar as early as you know, the opening kickoff, just some penalties that backed them up, and, you know, Dunbar made them pay. But the Tigers, I was just encouraged with the balance I saw on offense. They were able to establish the ground game with Chris Singleton. T.J. Abrams ripped off a 70-yard run in the game. And then Austin Price was able to get going, uh, throwing a touchdown pass to Abrams, throwing two to Eric Fletcher. And this kind of sets them up for uh, a really exciting district contest where they can win outright against South. And if they do, it will be their third consecutive sweep of the district. So I spoke with head coach Sammy Brown after the game about next week's matchup against the Wolfpack. That's another big one. I mean, that's the last one you want to make sure you get that. But uh, uh, May got those guys rolling over there. Uh, they're good offensive unit. Uh, defense flies around. So we're going to have our hands full. But we just got to get back to the drawing board and hopefully get some guys healthy and uh, see what we can do. Looking at some of the other results from this week, anything surprised you guys? Well, I'd be remiss not to bring up Fort Myers just getting into a offensive, I mean, maybe more than a battle with Tampa Catholic. Uh, this was Thursday Night Football last week. Um, we were all on the circuit covering district volleyball, but the Greenies come away with a huge 51-48 win. Both teams combined for over 1,200 yards of offense in this one. Both teams eclipsed 600 in the game. Chris McFoley, have a game, man. 
four passing touchdowns, a rushing touchdown. Madrid Tucker, five catches for a buck 13, two touchdowns, game ceiling interception. The Greenies, man, I mean, I had them at seven and three at the beginning of the year. I had this game as a loss, but I mean, Dustin, they're safely in now. They don't have to worry about what's coming the next few weeks. I think they can just win their games and they don't have to worry about whether they're in or out. And shout out to Dave Montross, who uh, covered that game for us, a three-hour-long shootout. But it really seemed like Fort Myers might be finding a winning recipe here, you know, with what they can do on offense and then making the big play on defense. You know, they might give up some yards, they might give up some points, but they have players who can make big plays in big moments. And just remember, they were one stop away from being 8-1 and one right now. I mean, they beat Dunbar in, in that double overtime game that Dan was at a couple weeks back. Um, they'd be looking at a one loss, uh, one loss right now to St. Thomas Aquinas, and, and you know, that's impressive given where this Fort Myers team was last year, and in the growth that they've had relative, uh, you know, to this year in the off season. Um, they've done a great job, and I think that they're kind of just sitting there. And you know, Sam Sirianni is one of the best in-game adjusters that, around here, and he can make adjustments on the fly, and I mean, that we'll see that in the playoffs, I think, right from the get-go. One result, as I was uh, scrolling through Twitter during halftime of my game, seeing Lehigh up 33 nothing over North Fort Myers, the Lightning eventually getting the win 39-14. Dan, did you see this coming? I didn't, really. Um, Lehigh obviously has a lot of offensive firepower. Uh, Dorian Mallory, Terrence Smith out at wide receiver. So they have the ability to put up points, but they haven't been able to do it consistently this year. And I really didn't think they were going to do it against a North Fort Myers defense that, you know, has, has played really well uh, for the majority of the year. And against a team like North that both these teams might have come into this game with one and six records, but four of those six losses for North was were by a touchdown or less. Uh, so they could have easily been a 500 team or better coming into this game. I just don't know how much for North that that loss to Mariner the previous week uh, really maybe was kind of hanging over them a little bit because uh, that, that was not the performance you would have expected out of the Red Knights, especially on senior night. But they turned the ball over. Uh, they gave Lehigh some short fields. Lehigh has the talent to take advantage of that. You fall behind uh, like that, and, and it's tough to kind of dig out of that hole. So it'll be interesting to see how North regroups uh, from this for the rest of the season and and you know can this be something that lehigh can take as a really good positive going forward they got a huge game this week uh against riverdale you know their biggest rival uh so it'll be interesting to see how these teams close out that season and what they take into the off season both with young coaches young teams you know do we look at this game as some kind of a turning point for both of these I also wanted to shout out First Baptist going on the road and handing Lemon Bay their first loss of the season. Ethan Crossan threw for over 400 yards and four touchdowns. Uh, Winston Watkins caught 12 passes for 218 yards. He's been unreal since joining the Lions. That's a really good win for that team that, uh, you know, it's time to start looking at them contending for another state title here. He's played four games and he's already the team leader in receiving yards. Pretty unreal stuff. Um, what he's doing, but it's not really surprising. I mean, he was at IMG for a reason. He was playing on the national team for a reason. I would expect him to kind of feast on this type of competition at this point. The Golden Gate game was really eye-opening in that, but doing it against, you know, Lemon Bay, doing it against Newman doesn't surprise me at all. It's, it's kind of 
just like Richard Young going for 200 yards against insert opponent here type of thing. And But, yeah, I mean, it's going to be probably another big game for him this week. I mean, we'll see. I mean, CSN – Eight and zero, they have uh, the better record going into this one, but they're going to have to hit the road and, and go to First Baptist and, and try and steal a win here. And after the break, we are going to break down some of these district contests and talk about who's clinched, who can clinch this week. So stay tuned. Let's go. Keep up with the action every week by following our live Friday night scoreboard at NaplesNews.com, News-Press.com. And by downloading the Naples Daily News and News Press apps onto your mobile devices. Welcome back. If you are confused about who's in and who's out of the playoff picture and some of the playoff implications of this upcoming week, we are here to sort through it for you, starting with the teams that have already clinched. Dan, what teams are already making their playoff plans? Uh, Well, there are three teams uh, that have already clinched districts that involve our local teams. First is 4S15. Charlotte has clinched the district championship by virtue of uh, earlier wins this season over Riverdale and Lehigh. They have Baker left. Uh, That game is this week, but the worst Charlotte could finish in the district is 2-1. The winner of Riverdale and Lehigh would also be 2-1, but Charlotte would own the head-to-head tiebreaker, so that makes the Tarpons district champs. In 3S14, Mariner has clinched uh, the long-awaited district championship, first one since 1997 uh, by virtue of their victories uh, this season over North Fort Myers and Island Coast. Uh, Even though this game with Cape Coral this week, the Black and Blue Bowl, it's always a big game. As far as the district championship is concerned, it does not matter uh, what happens in this game. The worst Mariner could finish in the district would be 2-1. and one. The winner of North and Island Coast would be 2-1, and one, but Mariner would own the head-to-head tiebreaker. So it'll be interesting to see what Mariner does with some of their injured players. If they uh, kind of err on the side of caution, hold out Noah Tober, Kalen Davidson, make sure they're healthy for the postseason. And finally, in 3S14, Golden Gate has clinched the district championship. They are 3-0 with wins over Baron Collier, Naples, and Benita. Uh, They face Laley this week, but same situation. The worst Golden Gate could finish in district play is 3-1, and they would own the head-to-head tiebreaker over any other team that finished 3-1. So congratulations to the Titans. We also have two teams that are in control of their own destiny. They can clinch outright with wins this week. Uh, First off, ECS. They are hosting SFCA in Class 1S7. So if the Sentinels win that, they will be district champs. Same with Dunbar, who is hosting Southport Myers this week. Uh, They will be district champions for the third straight year in 3S15 with a win. Alex, do you want to get into some of the matchups this week where it's all on the line? Yeah, I mean, first off, I do have to congratulate Mariner. I almost want to quiz you guys here. Do you guys know what the Billboard Hot 100 number one was back in 1997 at this time when Mariner would have won a district championship? Uh, Mambo number five. I don't know. 
That was going to be my guess. That's amazing. <laughs> now you got to guess. Are you going with them? I'm going with them. All right. Incorrect, but it was uh, it was something about the way you look tonight in Candle in the Wind by Elton John. Oh, that was uh, Princess Diana's death. That's why that yeah. was number one. Yeah, yeah, it was the first time it took number one on the chart was October 11th. It ran through the rest of the calendar year. So every week uh, until 1997 ended, and then the week before that, uh, or the the one before that, it was Four Seasons of Loneliness by Boys to Men. So it, it's been a while. So congratulations to Mariner. I mean, you know, the drought is over. The 26-year drought is gone. But, yeah, I mean, there, there's a handful of matchups this week. Varroa Estero, that one's for a district title straight up. Winner takes the district. FBA CSN, I mean, the Battle of Livingston once again. CSN comes into this one with the better record. FBA comes into this one just red hot. I mean, Winston Watkins, we talk about him every week. I mean, it's just no one has proven yet good teams and bad teams that they can cover him. Golden Gate being the best out of the bunch. Uh, Wakaiva also struggled defending him. So, I mean, we'll see. I mean, I think both games have a chance to be okay matchups, competitive matchups. But I think, you know, when we talk about these games later, I think FBA and and Vero are favorites. But the Dunbar South one is the most interesting I think, of the bunch because South, just looking at where they are in the RPI, it's really hard to see a path for them to be district champs, right? And, you know, just where the rankings are, Fort Myers and Dunbar are are way ahead of them, and it's just hard to envision a jump over the next couple weeks. If South were to win, Fort Myers, despite losing to, to Dunbar, would get the district title, we think, if everything held and, and if Fort Myers keeps winning like we think they will, um, which would be kind of a wild scenario. Both teams are going to make the playoffs regardless. It's just a matter of seeding. But uh, I just think that's one of the more interesting concepts that could possibly happen here. In another matchup uh, where the district title is on the line this week is in 4S16. Mockley and Gulf Coast going at it for the second consecutive year. Alex, you were there last year. How exciting is this matchup? It was one heck of a game. I mean, it was only fitting that the district title went to overtime. Uh, it was a really competitive bout. Mockley seemed to have this game won last year. Um, they got a little too cute in the red zone. Forced a fumble when Gulf Coast's backs were basically on the wall and they were dead to rights in this game. Gulf Coast forced a, a fumble that took the game to OT. And then Gulf Coast got a stop on defense. Uh, and all they needed was a field goal. But Gulf Coast scored in overtime. Joe Miller uh, was the one who gave him the district title. And, you know, that it was just an epic matchup. And, Dustin, you're going to be there as of right now. You're going to like it. It's, it's just a, such a fun game. Both bands are really dang good, um, and it's just going to be a good game all around. I, I, do, I don't envision this game being a two-score game in favor of whoever. I just think these teams are that closely matched. Uh, Gulf Coast's defense, um, you know, I think they're going to do a pretty good job here, and I think Immokalee's defense also in decent position to make some stops. What do you guys think is going to be uh, the best game of the week? Best game? Um I mean, this one's a little bit tricky. I think I circle back to that Immokalee Gulf Coast game being arguably the most competitive of the bunch. I, I don't know if we could say the same about Vero Estero or FBA CSN or Dunbar South being one-score games, but um, I think just from a quarter-to-quarter standpoint, from start to finish, I think 
Gulf Coast and Mockley is in position to be just the probably the best game of the night, uh, Friday night, when we're talking about this one next week. You know, I imagine that both teams are going to come ready. They both had buys, so they both teams have had two weeks to prepare for each other, which is kind of an odd situation. You don't really see that, but um, it's just the case that they had the same bye week coincidentally, but it, it should be a good one uh, down off exit 111 Friday night. I also think South and Dunbar is just going to be a battle. Early in the season, I predicted South would pick off either Fort Myers or Dunbar. Uh, they couldn't get it done against Fort Myers, so maybe they have something a little left for the Tigers. Lately, Golden Gate, there's going to be some friction there. Battle of the Bell, Riverdale-Lehigh, um, a lot of really good matchups this week. And after the break, we are going to make our picks. For more in-depth analysis of high school football in Lee and Collier County each week, Go to NaplesNews.com and News-Press.com. Let's just do it, okay? Follow us on Instagram at News Press Sports and NDN Prep Zone. Let's go! All right, and welcome back to the final segment of the show. It is picks time once again. Recapping last week, uh, not the best week for me. We all had our losses in some areas. I went 6-4 and four with losses at Aubrey Rogers, North, Tampa Catholic, and Mariner. Dan DeLuca, 7-3, and three, Aubrey Rogers, North, and Mariner. And Dustin Levy riding the Cougar train, going with Canterbury, picking that one off of both of us. Uh, going 8-2 and two, uh, with losses on North and Mariner. Dustin, you were in third place not that long ago. Now you're starting to build a lead. Uh, thoughts? I'm just going to keep this train going. <laughs> Dan? I mean, how, how do we catch this guy here? I don't know. Dustin's got to get set up like a hotline or something. The guy's on fire. <laughs> awesome. Well, uh, I'd be remiss not to bring up some things that I said last week. I was talking about some maybe some player predictions and some, some yardage totals and a couple of those were pretty dang close. Uh, Carter Smith, 282.5 passing and rushing. That went to like 287, so I was really in the ballpark there. Malik Allen, I said about 158.5. He finishes with 161. The Naples rushing attack, uh, I said about 220.5. They finished with 218 against American Heritage, and Matty Turner scores a touchdown. And here's what Richie Rode had to say about my analysis and my predictions. What a crystal ball. Boy, what incredible. We're just blessed to have him in the news press. Appreciate the kind words, as always, Richie. Uh, we're going to get right into it here. District contest, uh, Cape Coral contest here. North Fort Myers headed to Island Coast. Two teams headed in opposite directions. Um, North just can't seem to get over the hump. You know, they lost another game this last week to Lehigh. Island Coast quietly has found 500 under Tyron Jones in his first year. Uh, Dustin, how are you feeling about this one? It's tough. Uh, we've been burned picking north before, and it, it makes it tough. I do think this is going to be competitive, but I, I don't think north wants to end their season you know, so flat. So I, I'm going to pick the Red Knights here. Dan, I mean, Coast is, is trending in the right direction. This is just a, a matter of you know timely scheduling and competition, or do you think they're actually turning it around? 
Uh, I think they played well this year. I think they're a little limited uh, offensively besides uh, the running game. I haven't really been able to do anything in the passing game, but then again, neither is North. It's good, I think, that the Red Knights are on the road this week. Uh, Get away from the home crowd. Maybe get away from a little of the pressure if things uh, don't start out well. And uh, I'm I'm just looking at that group of seniors for North. I don't think they want to end their season on a sour note. So I think they're going to rally, and I think North will win this game. Yeah, I'm I'm with you guys. I mean, just going off the results, I mean, Coast is winning, to their credit. Uh, their last three wins coming to Ida Baker, Cape Coral, and Gateway, though. And Cape Coral and Gateway were one-score contests. Um, I, I personally think North's better than one score against Gateway. You know, North has burned me multiple times in the past, but I just keep believing. I think the Red Knights at some point are going to right the ship, um, hopefully, and get a win here and get their second win. Uh, under David Pasquale. Uh, second up, staying in the Cape, the Black and Blue Bowl here, the rivalry contest between Cape and Mariner. Independent of whether injuries hurt the Tritons last week, I think they should be in line to get a win this week. Um, whether you know Justin Lewis running the offense or Noah Tolbert, um, I, I just think that Mariner is just bound to rebound, in, and especially in a rivalry contest like this, uh, I'm going to go with the Tritons. I'm also going to pick Mariner here. They had a couple wins this season without Noah Tolbert, um, so I'm pretty confident they'll get the win over Cape, who is on a four-game skid after starting the year 4-0. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I think Mariner wins this game. It'll be close because these games always seem to be close, but I I just have a little more confidence in Mariner's defense uh, than I do in Cape Coral's offense, so I'm sticking with the Tritons. Of course. From one rivalry game to the next, uh, this is the uh, the Battle of the Bell. Riverdale headed to Lehigh. Uh, this has always been a pretty heated rivalry, a pretty good rivalry. Lehigh coming off a big win at North Fort Myers. Um, Riverdale just seems to have you know gotten quiet at the wrong time. Uh, Dustin, circling it back to you here, then I'll make the pick. Riverdale or Lehigh? Well, first of all, I just want to say I'm glad you didn't sing when introducing Battle of the Bell because Adam Fisher would always sing that little little disco hit. So, thank you. I'm going to go with Lehigh here. Um, I think that win against North might have uh, kind of reinvigorated this team. It's a tough call. Um, Riverdale has, you know, a lot of talent in the running game, but I like Lehigh here. Look, uh, Riverdale can very easily win this game, and if they time out their plays correctly and and they chew clock and they score on those possessions, um, they can be in great line to win because Lehigh is not a team that will chew the clock like Riverdale does. I mean, Lee has a quick strike offense. They like Dorian Mallory getting out in space, whether it's running or throwing the ball. The blueprint is there for Riverdale to, to win this game. They very easily could if they get some early stops. But Lehigh's speed it, it should be overmatched here, I think. You know, Lehigh's going to keep building off of what they uh, what they did last week. I'm going to also go with the Lightning, Dan. Yeah, me too. I'm going with Lehigh. I I think there's a lot of different ways that Lehigh can win this game, whereas with Riverdale, it will come down to controlling the football, not turning it over, and just trying to grind it out. Um, I I think Lehigh has more uh, more outs uh, to put up points, uh, so to speak, and uh, they're at home. I'll go with the Lightning. Awesome. Three for three there on agreements. Uh, We might have something here. Baron Collier headed to St. Brendan out of Miami. Uh, the Sabres are also pretty dang good. They are 7-2 and two this year. Baron Collier looking to get their seventh win of the season. Dustin, do they get it here? 
I'm not sure they do. Uh, I'm going with the same Brandon here. Just uh, you know, my preliminary research on the team. They have a couple of Division One prospects on the team. Kevin White at cornerback, uh, kicker with an offer from Miami, and you know, Baron Collard's going to have to travel for this one. So. I like St. Brendan. Yeah, without a doubt. That's a tough one to, to pick, obviously. And you know, St. Brendan is pretty good. They have a pretty solid point differential, plus 118. You know, they are a team that likes to run the football. And Barron has struggled in stopping the run over the last couple weeks. Uh, there was a four-game stretch uh, where they had allowed 1,000 rushing yards in the last four games. Uh, I'm not necessarily sold on St. Brendan, though. Barron, if they can get right, I think they're okay, but it's just a matter of taking advantage of the possessions. I'm going to go with Barron and a squeaker on the road. I, I think this is a one where you know they're not winning this game by more than one score, um, but I, I think they're going to be competitive in this one. So, Dan, you break the tie here. I'm going to go with Baron Collier as well. I mean, how do you want to be on the wrong side of the Cougars and Mark Jackson? Not me. I'm going with Baron Collier, and I also need to pick up a game on Dustin. So Baron Collier's the pick. Mark Jackson, we'd love to have you on the pod. You know, you're a great quote. we 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 got to have you on at some point. But nonetheless, uh, moving on to game number five, the private school battle, the battle of Christian schools in Lee County, SFCA headed to ECS. ECS gets the district here with a win. So, uh, Dustin, I mean, any scenario in which ECS doesn't win this game? No, I think the Sentinels take it. Sentinels should be favored, deservedly so. Better receiving core, um, better quarterback play up until this point, uh, better run game. Having LJ Blackwell back in the fold is big, and, and SFCA just hasn't shown much of a pulse to give me a reason to pick them. Dan? I agree. ECS. Quick. Uh, next game, uh, a lot around this game. Very well could be our game of the week for multiple reasons. Laley headed to Golden Gate. You know, if you've read the news, you, you guys know where things stand at this point. We got the investigation regarding this. It involved a Laley uh, parent. So there's going to be some stuff around this game without question. Golden Gate. They got the district title in hand, but this is a heated rivalry. Dustin, starting it with you here. Trojans or Titans? Well, you have to look out for the Trojans because they really have nothing to lose here. But I think all the stuff off the field might give Golden Gate a little extra motivation, even though they have uh, the district in hand. So I like the Titans to win. I do too. And I picked them when I first broke the story about the suspensions with Nick Bajika and PJ Gibbs. I picked them to beat Barron on the road. However, it caught me off guard that they won in the fashion in which they won. Like, look, the first half of that game, sloppy, looked like that they had been dealing with outside noise. Uh, second half, completely different story. I, I don't expect, you know, much to change. I think that they're going to be in sync. I think that the playmakers are going to make plays. Um, Golden Gate should win this one handily uh, on paper, and I think they're going to do so, Dan. I agree. Uh, circle the wagons type of game for Golden Gate, and uh, they'll win. Yeah, without a question. I mean, it's just it's 100% that type of vibe. But it is a rivalry game. I think this phrase is uh, round up the troops. Uh, you know, this is going to be one that they're just going to keep playing for Nick Bajika and P.J. Gibbs, and they're just a tight-knit family. And, and I think, you know, regardless of what – uh, has happened you know they are all in on winning and, and I think that they will get to eight wins this year in the regular season uh, next game on the slate staying in Collier County uh, Mockley headed to Gulf Coast uh, this was one heck of a game last year 
We've talked about it plenty, so we're going to get right into it. Dan, starting with you this time, uh, Indians or Sharks? Uh, I like Gulf Coast. I kind of like them all year. Uh, I like the way they play. I like the defense that they play. Uh, The fact that they're at home, I think, just adds one more element to it. I think the Sharks win. I think I've picked against Gulf Coast almost every time they've been on the pick segment in this show. Not this time. I'm with Dan here. I, I like Gulf Coast in the way that they're winning. I mean, it's just a matter of containing Immokalee's offense, which I think Gulf Coast is good enough in doing. I think they have the better line play here, on, especially on the defensive side. Uh, I'm also going to go with the Sharks. Dustin, you going with Immokalee or you going with Gulf Coast? This uh, is too tough to call for me. Last week, Alex, uh, you tried to pick a game with Siri. Yeah. Uh, didn't go well. <laughs> so I thought I would do it in the old-fashioned way with a coin flip and thought it would be uh, some nice ASMR for you listeners. So going to flip that coin, heads being the Indians and tails being the Sharks because Sharks have tails. So we did best two out of three, and it came up heads twice. So I am going... Out on a limb, picking a mockley, picking against you guys. So uh, I might be threatened here, or I might uh, extend my lead. Yeah, that that was one heck of a coin flip. You should be a referee with those coin flips, Dustin. You'd be the best coin flipper uh, among the referees in Lee County, without question. But next game on the slate, we are in game 8 of 10, south headed to Dunbar. Willis May's team knows that they need to win here. And I don't know if urgency matters, if urgency is getting to them. But, um, you know, circling it back to you, Dustin, do you kind of agree with that sentiment that there's a sense of urgency within that South locker room and they're going to pretty much throw the book at at Dunbar to just try and win here? Well, yeah, I think South needs to win out to make the playoffs. Um, They have Mariner in Week 11, but they're they're not going to overlook Dunbar here, not at all. I think this will be competitive if South plays mistake-free football. Um, I'm a little concerned. You know, they turned the ball over five times against Fort Myers, twice last week against Cypress. It is still a comfortable win against the Panthers. But uh, Dunbar will make you pay for your mistakes. Um, so I'm going to, slight with a slight edge, go to the Tigers here. Yeah, I'm going with Dunbar as well. Um, South was kind of in a, you know, must-win scenario a couple weeks ago against Fort Myers, and it was really surprised uh, that they gave up 49 points uh, to the Green Wave. Dunbar's got a lot of weapons on offense. They're they're still really tough on defense. Uh, I think that's too much for South. Uh, I think Dunbar wins. Yeah, Dunbar deserves to be a home favorite here. I just – I look at that Fort Myers-South game, and, yeah, they they were competitive – but Dunbar's got the speed to defend Justin White, and if they really wanted to, they could bracket him. I don't think they will. But Dunbar's defense, I think, here is is just going to be too good in, in a couple too many areas. Chase Gita hasn't been the most consistent quarterback in the county by any means. He's going to need to turn in a solid performance here uh, if the Wolfpack want to have a chance. And they're going to have to establish a ground game, which um, you know, obviously it was way back in Week 2. Vero did that. But, I mean, you were at that South and Fort Myers game. It seemed like Fort Myers was able to establish some sort of a ground game as well, Dustin. I just don't – I don't know. I mean, I just think that the South defense is might be a little too overmatched here. Going with Dunbar there. Uh, game number nine for a district title. The winner takes 2S16. Number 10, Estero headed to number one Bishop Verreau. 
Um, the Vikings, in each of their their seven wins on the field, they have eight with a forfeit. The seven wins that they've got on the field, they've run and clocked everybody. Dan, starting it with you, first off, do they win? Second of all, is it a running clock? Well, Stero really pulled out all stops, uh, you know, against Mariner. They'll do the same uh, against Bishop Vero. Expect to see a lot in special teams play, a lot of going forward on fourth down, uh, really, you know, trying to do whatever they can to possess the ball, keep that Bishop Vero offense on the sideline. But Vero's just a little too talented. I, I think we all recognize that. And uh, Vero win this game. Not sure if it's going to be running clock or not. Uh, it kind of depends on turnovers, all those types of things. But Vero certainly has the talent to do that. But more importantly, I, I think for them is that they'll win the game and they'll clinch the district. Yeah, I look at this one. Um, this game, you know, is 57 to 10 last year, if my mind serves me right. Vero has just been dominant in too many areas. I think Darren Nelson's defense might have a plan early. Um, I, you know, I noticed against FBA a, a pretty high-flying offense similar in concept to the Vikings. Um, they played the, the keep-everything-in-front-of-them game. They were not getting beat over the top. They were doing using shell coverage. I don't know if that will work this time. I just think Vero's speed has given plenty of people problems. So, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, I think Vero will pull away. I just I mean, the running clock question is the one I think about. A part of me wants to say that Vero does it easily, but also I, I'm not discounting what Estero has done on defense. But, you know, I think Vero wins the game. Dustin. Yeah, credit to Estero for putting themselves in this position and their success over the last three years. I just think, you know, they kind of run into, you know, not only the best team in their district, but the best team in Southwest Florida. So a little overmatched here. Yeah, and I was, I'm an Estero alumni. I'm not that far removed like I graduated in 2018 um, as an alumni great to see the stability that this program has had because during my time I was there for three head coaches uh, in my four years of high school uh, my freshman year Mark Jackson was the head coach uh, actually he was my weightlifting teacher as well shout out to Mark Jackson uh, sophomore in junior year it was Jeff Hanlon and then like junior senior year I think it was Brad Vojak um, so there, I mean, I had three coaches in the span of four years there, uh, during my time. And, um, you know, it's good to see that Darren Nelson has brought stability to a program that needed it. And, and as he mentioned that they're 22 and five in their last 27. So they built a winning culture there. They're winning games and, um, just good to see. So last game on the slate, our game of the week. The battle for Livingston, CSN at FBA. CSN's been talking about this one before the season started, guys, and they are going to get their chance to show if they can compete. Dustin, your thoughts here. Who's going to win? Yeah, I was looking up some of the history between these teams. Um, in the last 10 years, it's been a lot of FBA, and it has not been particularly close in any of them. So I like the Lions here. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I said a couple weeks ago, I think we were talking districts, and you were – you asked me the question, if there's a case to be made for CSN, what is it? And I immediately replied and said that there wasn't one. Um, and I said that Billy Sparacio has owned this rivalry, and he has. He hasn't lost a game to CSN yet. I mean, they are FBA is 9-0. and I think the whole Aaron Rodgers in Chicago saying, I still own you phrase applies here. I think FBA just is too much for CSN, and, and I think Billy Sparacio gets win number 10 over uh, the Seahawks. Dan? 
Yeah, I mean, ever since FBA added Winston Watkins, it just really took that offense to a whole other level, um, and that's more than enough for them to win this game. Uh, FBA wins easily. I mean, yeah, I mean, who are you, you going to guard? It's either Jaden Pettit on one side or Watkins on the other, and Landon Wolney, a freshman wide receiver who's actually making strides, and you, you, we usually see that with young receivers like stepping up in the second half. Um, but, Dan, you're 100% right. Uh, they've eclipsed 40 or more points in each of their four wins uh, since adding Watkins. I don't see CSN being able to match that here. CSN's not a high-scoring team. Uh, in, in a few games, you know, they eclipsed the 40-point mark uh, four times. Uh, to their credit, their last three, but I just don't see them being able to hang with FBA for four quarters. So that wraps up uh, the pick segment handful of uh you know picks where we were in unison uh but be sure to go to news-press.com slash sports and naplesnews.com slash sports for high school content whether it's football whether it's volleyball this week we've got it all for you um it should be a pretty loaded week regional playoffs for volleyball uh district championships will be decided in football uh so it should be a good week uh guys any final thoughts before we sign off good luck to you guys with your picks <laughs> that's the mark of a leader right there that's the leader in the clubhouse, Dustin Levy. Uh, for him, for Dan DeLuca, for our wonderful producer, Amanda Inscore, uh, I'm Alex Martin. This is Season 6, Episode 11 of the Inside Southwest Florida Football Podcast. We will see you next week. Thanks for listening. Remember, the Inside Southwest Florida Football Podcast will be available for download every Wednesday at noon to get you ready for upcoming games. One, two, three.